Yo! Welcome to episode 168 of the Zay Come Podcast. It's your boy, Mrs. ZCP from the 863, aka Mrs. Zay aka Podcast Number One Podcast. How you doing today, boys? Um, Is it me or outside of what, what was Sunday? Yo, Sunday. Outside of Sunday, I feel like the last few days of basketball has been pretty dry. Like, Sunday, obviously, we got a couple of all time performances. You're from uh, OKC, Cleveland, Minnesota, Philly, Utah, Denver, and in, in, uh, Chicago. Even Nets Lakers wasn't even a half bad game. Overall, this has been a pretty dry week of basketball. And I don't know what it is. Like, and, and maybe we just hitting that point in the season where it's like people are probably watching football more, but overall, this has been a, it's just been a pretty, I guess you would say dry, just a pretty um, uneventful week of basketball. <laughs> no, nothing too great. Like, yeah, Joel Embiid had an all-time performance, and Darius Garland had probably, not even probably his best game in his career, unfortunately, in a loss. But overall, it's, been a, it's just been a, it's been a eh, few, few weeks of basketball, um, or just a few weeks, few days of basketball. Um... I'm recording this podcast late, like on purpose in case if you're if you're getting this podcast late, it's because I I started recording late. This is it's like three thirty in the afternoon right now, but um, I do that now on Tuesdays because every Tuesday I feel like news comes out earlier than usual, or or sorry not early but coming out later than usual. Like there's always some big news story that's coming out a week in advance, or sorry, or at least a few hours after we finish recording it. And eventually it gets annoying having to go um, either edit and post or just not talk about a topic at all on the podcast. But um, first piece of news story is uh, Desmond Bain, unfortunately being out two to three weeks with a sprained toe, which absolutely sucks for two reasons. Reason number one is because he was having a hell of a start to the season so far, been about a month. And he has been well on his way to a uh, um, to an All Star season. It's it is indeed a shame because he is the Grizzlies are going to miss him for sure. Granted, they had they got depth back then. I'm sure you know John Conshaw or Dylan Brooks um, are probably going to step in in no time. You know, maybe Zaire Williams is uh, back a little bit earlier than his original recovery date. But the Memphis Grizzlies have are one by one going down to injuries, and it sucks. I think everybody in their starting run of the season has been injured. John has been out for a couple of games. Um, now Dylan Buzz or Desmond Bain has been out. Zaire Williams is out. Jerry Jackson Jr., of course, is still out. Um, Steven Adams missed a couple of games. They have, they have hit the injury bug like crazy. Still one of the better teams in the West. But definitely um, hit the injury bug so far. Um, and it's a shame, man. Like, it's because, again, like, I don't, think, I don't think this is going to derail him from any All-Star votes or even, like, a coach is picking him because I think he's still very much in the, uh, in the conversation for most, um, for, for, in most people's opinion, probably for an All-Star opinion. Um, there's a lot of competition out there in the West in regards, even though, we kind of did talk about this earlier, um, especially during the offseason. Like, 
you know, now that DeJounte is gone, Donovan Mitchell is gone, who is going to fill those spots? And a lot of those guys were um, saying Anthony Edwards. One name that I had brought up immediately was Desmond Bain. Uh, how like is a because I think the Grizzlies probably be still a good enough team that at least have two All Stars. I wasn't expecting them to be nearly as good as they were last year because they lost a couple of big pieces, but still thought that they would be good enough to maintain in the West. And I think that would have probably more than more than the second All Star, which of course would have been Desmond Bain. Um, and I think that that's still probably going to happen. Jacobs Alexander, especially if we're going to talk about his uh, performance in the Garden on Saturday, Sunday, almost on Saturday, on um, on Sunday, we're going to talk about the performance because God, Jacobs Alexander, All Star. If he's not All Star, we're going to have to have a conversation. There will be a discourse. Um, but for the vast majority of the day, like even yesterday, like I would granted, you know. Context only caught like three games yesterday, but you know, overall, it was just a it was not a, a great, it wasn't my favorite night. That's where I'll say that the, 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 the late night games definitely disappointed with it in terms of um hype. Like the Clippers and the Rockets and the uh, Spurs Warriors are two games that I could have probably gone without. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I really, after like maybe a quarter. I just stopped watching because they did not feel like a game, <laughs> game that I really wanted to check out in the end. To, due to just like, I like watching close games. And if it's a 30 point game, granted, something could happen, something crazy could happen, and I miss it. But overall, like, it's not going to change the trajectory of the game. If it's a 30 point game it's in the third quarter, I'm not going to watch it. And that's kind of what it was in. Um, what happened with the Warriors? Like I was, I caught, I came in in the third quarter. To be fair, because I had caught the, the Thunder Celtics and, and the Hawks Bucks game. Um, after that, I had turned on Spurs Warriors because I was, it was around. I'd probably take maybe like an hour break or whatever, and then I turned on Spurs Warriors, and it was already like a twenty-five point game. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna off. So I ended up catching up on some extra sleep, and uh, basically just getting, uh, you woke up, possibly uh, took some notes of the podcast, and then we came here for. Um, came here for recording, got about three ish o'clock. So yeah, like it was, it's been a that was basically what my schedule was like. But the games that I did catch yesterday, the Raptors and the Detroit Pistons. I know, you know, it's a favorite team, but still, I would like to announce. I wouldn't even say announce. I'd like to um, make a public. Recognization of Delano Bennett's supremacy on um from I believe last year's draft podcast. If you want to go out and look, I said Delano Bennett would probably be a steal in the draft. Look at him now. And on a serious note, though, <laughs> Detroit Pistons fandom. I'm usually. And I say usually the vast majority of the time. Love to I wouldn't say overhype, but to tend to be dramatic about a situation. Which is perfectly fine. You know, I'm I don't hate it. Like that's that's usually because of, that's just the fandom in general. They tend to overhype, tend to be over exaggerated about a lot of things. One of those things is um 
One of those things is firing a head coach in the middle of a rebuild. I think this might be the game where we have to at least consider, in the front office, consider the firing of of um, of Dwayne King. This this game, and again, it wasn't all his fault. Missing fifty percent of your free throws is not, or um, yeah, missing. Well, I'd say fifty percent, but missing about was it twelve or thirteen free throws is not how you win. Nineteen turnovers, twenty-three assists, getting killed in the paint, getting killed on the glass. Not knocking out threes. They hit 32%, but that's still not good. Just want to put that out there. Still not good. Um, what's even worse is they still going down the injury. Luckily, he's just day to day. Um, that looked scary. <laughs> that looked very scary. Speaking of looking scary, we'll talk about the game a little bit. Um, but that looked scary. And unfortunately, like I said, he's going to be missing. This might be a blessing in disguise for Detroit because. Hopefully, this opens up a, a potential lineup of two bigs and uh, Bagley and Glenn. Maybe this might be like the key for them long term. Um, but this is not a good. This team is not good. Like th- that. That still with the five lineup is genuinely terrible. But I think overall, if this opens up Bagley and Glenn running together, God, I'm gonna be. Hopefully, when Kane comes back, because I think he's gonna probably miss this week. Um. If he's back before Stu, I want to see that line of uh, Cade, Ivy, Bogdanovich, Bagley, Durant, just to see what that lineup looks like on the on the floor. But overall, like I said, this that this is going to look good. Obviously, um, there were stretches where they looked solid, but they were just way too late for for them after the horrendous start that they got off to. Um, but for the Raptors. On the series, you know, Delano Band absolutely looked amazing. He was he looked like a basically when I said that the Raptors were building their own Ben Simmons, this was the level. This was who I was talking about when I said the Raptors are building their own Ben Simmons and Delano Band. And people I ain't gonna lie, people got me for that. But and even then I looked stupid saying that at the time. But honestly, when you look at him play, he looks like an aggressive Ben Simmons, which is God, an aggressive Ben Simmons, the top 10 player in the NBA two, three years ago, which is an even crazier statement to say out loud because now you look at Ben Simmons and, oh boy. But on a like, dead ass on serious note, like the Ronald Band with the Christmas shade looked like, that, that looked like the old, like this, it looked like the real Toronto Raptors out there. Like, Christmas shade played like a Pascal Siakam ass game. The Ronald Band played in a, uh, like a Scotty Barton. A, a Scotty Barton? Scotty Barton's game. With Scotty Barnes on the floor, which even Scotty Barnes did not look good last night. Basically, the Raptors' three best players, if you include Scotty Barnes' um, physical or sorry, mental absence last night, um, basically without their three best players, and the Raptors still. So there's there's that. Um, another game that I did catch yesterday. Actually, there was two because they kind of fit in the same uh, same bubble. The Bucks and the Hawks, the Heat and the Suns. The Heat 
defensively in the fourth quarter looked like the old Miami Heat. And that was something that I was preaching for the first couple of weeks of the season. It was like, God, if they just have that one defensive um that one defensive sequence, that one defensive play that 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 slow that brings out the old Miami Heat. That yeah, they don't need yeah, Bam had 30, that's cool. But it was the little things like Jimmy Butler and uh, Caleb Martin running the, the trap better than almost anybody I've seen in it so far this season. No two no duo in on defense has run a trap defense like Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler did this. It was the little things like Gabe Vincent diving for the ball. It was the little things like basically them shadowing to the point where they got campaign camera paint running ISOs. Tory Craig running um, ISOs on the on the wing. Mikael Bridges running ISOs on the low block. It was little things like that was why they they were able to catch Phoenix slipping in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Devin Booker had a good game, but at the end, Devin Booker looked like hell. The Suns bench tried in, in you know in the middle two quarters. Dwayne Washington absolutely caught fire, but it was the defense in the fourth quarter. That they didn't have that Dwayne Washington catching fire in the fourth quarter. They didn't have Damian Lee um cutting to the basket in the fourth quarter. They didn't have those plays. It was Devin Booker getting uh, trapped tra- tra- and Torrey Craig being dead open for ninety percent of uh, of the fourth quarter, especially in the last like seven eight minutes of the game. Like those were like the two main pieces that or two main situations that caused the Phoenix Suns to basically just go ice cold and basically in the entire fourth quarter. And while we're in the same conversation, um the Atlanta Hawks last night also played some of the best defense I've seen in a long time on the Milwaukee Bucks. They basically said we're going to let everybody else but Giannis beat us. Giannis still put up his good numbers over like 27 eight four is nothing to sniff at. But those were tough twenty seven points from Giannis on the Cooper. Yeah, you got a good performance out of Marcus Machamp. Got a good performance with Brooke Lopez and uh, Bobby Portis off the bench. Um, this definitely was a game where the Bucks could use a Chris Middleton, a Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton. Like those guys were sorely missed in a game like this, where Giannis Antetokounmpo was heavily focused on. Shout out to DeAndre Hunter, of course, for um being basically the primary defender on Giannis. Um. But like this is a balanced Hawks game and a balanced defensive game on um on Giannis and Kupo. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter was the primary defender, but John Collins held his own. Um Clint Capella was um, was holding his own. He was kind of beat guard in there a little bit. AJ Griffin, although being smaller, was somebody that they had used a ton on Giannis and Kupo when he started with their bench. Um and yeah, Collins got a little bit of tick on it too. Like they used plenty of, of primary uh, of Defenders only on this, despite DeAndre Hunter being the primary guy um, guarding him. Also, DeAndre Hunter taking a step up on the offensive end of the season has been a revelation to see. Um, a lot more efficient and three point shot is falling. Those are two things that I was um, worried about with DeAndre Hunter going into the season was A, will the shot fall, and B, will he um, become more efficient as a uh, as the season progressed. So far, shooting about 46% for the 47% for the field, um, close to 34 percent from three, 35, which 
down is up from last year, so that's basically all uh, you can really say about that. Overall, though, great um, game for the Atlanta Hawks. But you know they're still the best team in the league, so it's kind of and crazy though. Milwaukee Bucks have now lost twice to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if you want to put two or two together on that, but that's something that can uh, be very much replicated. Another one that I caught glimpses of, wouldn't say that I caught a, a, a crazy amount of it, but the OKC uh, Thunder and Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum turned up in the fourth quarter and that basically sealed it. Shagos Alexander, the last three, like basically the entire, the entire season, but especially in the last three games, has proved his worth. And I'm not talking about spitball, just on the offensive end. I'm talking about at least not in the not just in the scoring department, but in the playmaking department as well. It, like in Toronto, yeah, it was kind of, yeah. but the Milwaukee game. I'm specifically talking about the Milwaukee game, the New York game, and the Boston game were all like basically statement games for. What Shagos Alexander, and even one that I cover extensively on the podcast, the Denver game too. Um, those were three games that Shagos Alexander proved that he's going to be a superstar this year. Once the OKC Thunder care about winning, which so far this season they haven't been bad. I'm not going to say that they're in the tank process, but once they like become serious playoff contenders, Shagos Alexander is going to be on the radar for a lot of different people. And I hope, God, I hope that it's a, it's soon because I, I would hate for this to be wasted for another two, three years trying to, you know, accumulate all those draft picks. But shout out to Chicago Alexander. And again, that game in the garden was, God, that was special. That, that third quarter was genuinely special. Watching Chicago Alexander go crazy. I just, I'm just going to call him SGA. But, it um, sounds like SGH, with, uh, which is a deadlock center. So, that's a deadlock podcast. Um, tonight's games, though, not a whole lot um, on tap. There's only five games on, on tap for, uh, for tonight. Gersh's Pels, um, Clippers, Mavericks. Got the Knicks and Jazz, the Nets and Kings, Spurs. Uh, yeah, the Nets and Kings and the Spurs and Blazers. Um, this is... It's gonna be an interesting one, man. Like, um, Clippers and Mavs, you would assume is going to probably be um, the game of the night. It depends on, and you know, it depends on the health of a certain guys in the lineup. Um, Christian Wood came back from the Mavericks and immediately showed um, input, input, input on the game. Um, with scoring off the bench, off of the bench. God, I cannot speak today, man. I'm, I'm super tired. I'm probably gonna go back to sleep after this episode. I'll be honest. But overall, he said the offense has uh, has basically regained its firepower from earlier in the season. Thanks to Christian Wood not being back. Um, but overall, Dallas Mavericks, I'm still not. I'm. I will, they're a wait and see type of type of team. I'm not gonna wait for playoffs because that's six months from now, five months from now. So they're just gonna have to hold the fort until maybe playoff time comes around, and then they're gonna have to show certain people. Like, but the wait, the wait period is going to be a long time. Um, 
Also, Grizzly Pelican sounds like it's going to probably be one of the better teams in the league, too. Um, John Zion, of course. Um, obviously, it's not too big for the to draft. Two superstar players. And that should be a fun one. Um, also, in the news, something that we had literally just... And something that we was just talking about, too, was like, news is going to probably come out um, while I'm recording the podcast. The Clippers are interested in Miles Turner. God, and you see the applause to these tweets, the applause to some of these comments. God, Lakers fans are are just in typical Laker fan form. Well, the Clippers are always trying to get the guys that the Lakers want. First of all, my, well, the Lakers clearly don't want Miles Turner now because they're not going to give up those super round picks. But I think I digress. Um, overall, just not too many. Uh, not, not, but yeah, overall, just not so much news. That's uh, come on, guys. Kyrie's still suspended, so there's that. <laughs> but overall, like, I'm just it's it's a whirlwind. Um, yeah, we we actively are trying to stay with some Kyrie's and stuff. Um, also, in the notes, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, I'm sorry, I need to go somewhere. Kobe White is a uh, trade candidate for Chicago Bulls, potentially. Um, that's that's free eight million dollars that you can free over. Like maybe if Josh Richardson is on the books, maybe that's something that that goes down. Maybe if they want to go out and get another defender, I prefer for them to go get a shooting to put around Zach and Demar. But I think maybe probably defense is probably where they'll go because like I said, they're they're still a team that's still waiting on Lonzo Ball to get back healthy. So the defense is definitely going to have to um, hold up for the time being. But I, th- I think they could, they get more than that hold their own until something does happen. But um, back to the Sunday games that we're going to discuss, Joel Embiid, and it's a topic of conversation that's come up for a while now about Joel Embiid. But I think it, sorry, I think it gets um, it's going to be greatly exaggerated in this uh, when he has a game like this. Is Joel Embiid actively seeking free throws? Like, is he a flop merchant, as he uh, a foul merchant that he is um, being labeled on social media, in and just in the media in general? The answer to that question is a resounding no. If you watch the Utah Jazz game, there were four primary defenders. On him. I would say, and obviously, they're not all "quote unquote" primary defenders, but. Four main people that they put on. It was Kevin Lennon, it was Ryan Markkinen, it was Walt Kessler, and for maybe eight to ten plays, Jerry Vanderbilt. Those, none of those four. Jerry Vanderbilt is a really good defender, Mark. Walker Kessler is probably the best rim protector in college basketball last year. Um, maybe Kobe Cockburn, uh, Cockburn, but definitely Walker Kessler is in that conversation, too. Lauren Markman is in, he's a solid defender. Kelly Olynyk never really been known as a defender, but I digress. None of those four have the ability whatsoever to guard Joel Embiid. Perimeter, paint, whatever. Joel Embiid is going to shoot down their 30 free throws, probably even over 30 free throws most nights, if those are his main defenders on him. I'm sorry, but that's just, that's just how it works. 
with zero hate behind the Utah Jazz, because again, I, I absolutely love what Utah Jazz have done so far this season. Although it kind of looks like they're kind of falling off. But I have loved what they've done. But realistically, none of none of those people on that team are guarding Joel Embiid. Seriously. So I don't understand why we had to have this conversation with Joel Embiid seeking free throws where the only good def- defense on him is too fast. Respectfully, so of course, to the Utah Jets. Philly's next couple of games, as we look towards their schedule, he's probably going to have a fifth, another 15 or 20 free throw night in his next few. Just based on the talent of Joel Embiid alone. You look at their next few games, and you know, I'll read them all to you right now. Of course, they got Milwaukee on Friday. That's going to be a good game. Maybe Brook Lopez will probably win that. But Minnesota, we know his history with Carlton Towns. Brooklyn, we know their center situation. The Hornets, need I say more. The Magic, maybe, you know, their length might uh, bother him a little bit. But overall, he's still probably going to have 30 things five. Another game against Orlando. This is post Thanksgiving, by the way. Atlanta, Cleveland, Memphis. Memphis will probably he'll probably uh he might have a show game against Memphis. Houston, need I say more. The Lakers, Hornets, Kings, Warriors, Raptors, Pistons, Clippers. Yeah, all right. Yeah, listen listen to this one more time. Rockets, Lakers, Hornets, Kings, Warriors, Raptors, Pistons, Clippers, Knicks. Wizards, Pelicans, Thunder, Pelicans. He goes against zero good defensive centers in that stretch right there. From what day did I read that? I read that from December 5th up until at least January 2nd. Does not go against a single good defensive center. If no trades happen, if no trades are go down in the next you know two months, which I doubt, but potentially could happen. No trade goes down. He goes against zero defensive, good defensive centers in those in that in that uh, that stretch. And even then, in this the stretch before that, I read probably three good defensive centers. If I'm being honest, Brook Lopez, Rudy Gobert, and who's up? Jared Allen. Even like Clint Capella says a solid defensive. And even the Atlanta Hawks had a really good defensive performance against Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Joel Embiid is a bigger body than Giannis Antetokounmpo, despite Giannis being absolutely crazy. Out. So, yeah, Jared Allen. Even then, Jared Allen, I'd say, is more of a weak side defender than an actual good one-on-one defender. And Evan Mobley, I just think, is just too small, like, frame-wise, to guard uh, Joel Embiid. So, overall, basically, he's going against two defensive centers in Brook Lopez and Rudy Gobert. And that's literally his next two games. After that, he does not play a single good defensive center up until January. Joel Embiid is probably going to have to – he's going to shoot 15, 20 free throws in the vast majority of those games because nobody really can guard it. That's the context of the situation. And even then, people that, like, teams that he's already gone up against, how many of these teams have legitimately good defensive centers? We're reading off right now. Go backwards. Utah, we already mentioned. Atlanta, we already mentioned twice. Um, Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton. Um, the Knicks, with Mitchell Robinson, He's a good we side defender, but I don't think one on one he's guarding Joel Embiid. Wizards, Chris Alpoyes, we gotta say more. Um, 
these are games he was injured. Um, he played the first Raptors game, which the Raptors don't have a center, basically. Um, the Pacers, we gotta say more. The Spurs, we gotta say more. The Bucks, you know, the Bucks kind of held Joel and the Bucks and the Celtics definitely held Joel and beat those first um, couple of games because those are basically the James Harden. But outside of that, nobody has guarded Joel and beat good. And again, the Celtics and the Bucks are the two best defensive teams in the league, so you absolutely expect that. Joel Embiid is unstoppable for a reason. He is a top two center unanimously for a reason. Whether you put him at one or two, it does not matter. I genuinely don't care. He is a top two center unanimously. He's going to get those. He's going to be fouled. He's going to go up against every single center that has not nearly as good defensive uh, accolade as he does offensive. He's going to torch the vast majority of centers in the NBA. That's what makes him top two. Him getting 15, 20 free throws in an average NBA game, that just shows that you can't put a 6'7 Jerry Vanderbilt on him or a Kelly Olenek who's never been known as a positive defender. And, and you expect them to, to hold their own. Yeah, they're big buyers. Kelly Olenek's like 7 feet, 240, 250. Yeah, he's a big body, but he's not Joel Embiid big body. So Joel Embiid is naturally going to force contact against him. Jerry Vanderbilt is 6'7", big frame, but it's still 6'7". You can't put a 6'7 guy on Joel Embiid, 6'2", 280, that moves like a freight train with the ball in his hands. Off ball, you know, he might be a little sluggish. But on ball, he moves like a freight train. You can't guard him. It's, it's just... That's just common sense when it comes to Joel Embiid. And I wish people, more people understood that because they see, oh, he takes 15, 20 feet. Now, there's difference between him taking 15, 20 feet throws and James Harden on his prime taking 15, 20 feet throws. James Harden took 15, 20 feet throws because he legit was a flop. That's like, like, he also drew contact, but he drew contact off the back of him being a flop. Let's, let's be honest. Like, the cat's out of the bag. You know, he's, a, he's still an all time great guard. Like, we can let the cat out of the bag. He was a flop. Joel Embiid is not a flop. Joel Embiid is the biggest dude in the NBA, and that's why he's getting the most contact, which translates to him getting the most free throws. Also translates to him getting injured, but I digress. I wish we stopped the, the narrative of Joel Embiid being a flop. Does he end up on the floor a lot? Yes, he does, but he's also 6'2", 280. When those, you know, somebody that played center a lot, Center ain't the most balanced position in the NBA. You don't, you don't have not everybody's Paul Gasol when you have soccer ballerina feet and can stay on your feet the whole night. Eventually, you're going to fall to the floor due to a losing losing balance and be you getting hit harder than most because you're the biggest dude on the floor. If they don't hit you like a UFC fighter, chances are you're getting an and one every single time. I'm just saying, there's probably. There, there is, you can put two and two together and create that narrative right there. Instead of the, oh, he's a flop, or oh, he, he only gets up on the floor because he forces himself on the floor. No. There's legitimate reason why he, and this is this is coming from somebody that, realistically, I'm not the biggest Joe Willoughby guy. Do I, I think, do I think he's an MVP candidate? I think in the last couple of years, three, if I'm being honest, he's been an MVP candidate. Overall, I think he's still be second best center in the, in the NBA unanimously. 
across all uh, all platforms. I think he is the second best center in the NBA. I still think it's Nikola Jokic, but he's still that man when it comes to drawing contact. Nikola Jokic almost avoids contact a lot of times, and that's why he's not tempted 15, 20 for throws because Jokic's body can't take 15, 20 for throws every single night like Joel Embiid's can because Joel Embiid is literally built out of stone these days. Just something to think about. Um, overall, I think we can go through um, programming. I know we've beat it over the head for the last um, three episodes, but next week, obviously being Thanksgiving, I will be releasing a Thursday podcast. I know people probably won't be listening to all podcasts on Thursday morning, but I will release an episode on Thursday. Um, what am I thankful for? Of course, we're going to have a couple of episodes before that, obviously. Like on Friday, we'll have a normal episode on Friday, and we'll have a normal episode on Tuesday. But I'm still debating here on, you know, in my little circle, should I release a Wednesday night podcast detailing the NBA, or should I just wait to come back on Friday? Because realistically, I probably won't feel like doing a podcast on Friday, but maybe we can on Friday. Just probably uh, do something a little short, recap, because again, there probably won't be a whole lot of games going on anyway. Um, especially if obviously there's no games on Thursday, but probably won't be one. Or probably won't be a ton of games on Wednesday. Maybe it might be a decent run on Friday, but probably not, uh, not a whole lot on Wednesday, Thursday. So maybe we can just do a uh, pod Thursday. It may be just a regular basketball episode on Friday, because that obviously <laughs> it just uh, fell on the pod pod did fall on the week of Thanksgiving, of course. But um, after that, I did do a ca- <laughs> I did do calculations last night. If we did one podcast a week, episode two hundred would be March thirty. Or I say, sorry, if I had, if I had eliminated, basically it was, if I eliminated the pod pod. Now, of course, I'm going to have to go um, do math on if we did include pod pods, because for some reason I just didn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, not including the pod pod, episode 200 would be March 3rd. Editor Zay here. Um, with <laughs> After thinking about what, five minutes maybe to do the calculations on the, of the episode 200, Wrote episode 200, including the pod pod in its current format. You know, I like to change it. But under its current format, episode 200 would be on Valentine's Day next year, February 14th. So um, there's something to look forward to if you're in the mood. It won't, unfortunately, won't be a pod pod because I believe that's a Tuesday. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's like a little something, something to the like I said, I might change a couple of things around because certain stuff falls on a certain day. Like, you know, episode, I believe, 190 is the day after MLK Day. So I might do like an MLK episode 190. Maybe, you know, maybe something like that to to uh, to honor MLK Day. And, of course, there is an MLK basketball game, so naturally we could do previews for that. There's something, a little something I can uh, change around. Um, Don't like that. A few of my episodes, like the day before holiday, like obviously, like you know, the Thanksgiving episode, you know, what we're thankful for, etc., etc. That's you know, that's one thing, that's something that you know, I don't mind doing, but 
But then there's the December 23rd episode, obviously two days before Christmas, which just happens to fall on a Pog Pod day. Um, <laughs> one that I was laughing about yesterday when we did this, um, there's a pop actually, and again, we can talk about this today. Too. There's a pop pod on January 6th, if you know, you know. Um, so yeah, certain things that uh, <laughs> we can, we probably might have to move around certain things because je- doing a pop pod on January 6th opens up so many unwarranted, unwarranted ideas in my head that <laughs> just. <laughs> Uh, I don't even, I don't even want to revisit it, but yeah, just a little something, a little quirky stuff to um talk about towards the end of this podcast, cause um not too, like I said, just not too much has has gone down in the last few days outside of the of course couple of years what's going on, but um but yeah man um just a little just something to let y'all in on um episode two hundred and. Also, episode one ninety eight is my cousin's birthday. Shout out to AJ. Speaking of my cousins, um, next week of course Thanksgiving. Um, if there is any sort of noise, peculiar noise you hear in the background of my pod, pod uh, podcast, chances are it's one of four things. It's me either cooking food. Um, my family has arrived because I'm hosting Thanksgiving this year. Um, either probably my next door neighbors because my next door neighbors probably will be hosting Thanksgiving too, or Whatever uh, peculiar noise you hear, probably partying in the streets or whatever. But chances are, you probably hear something in the background of the Thanksgiving episode. If not, it's the Lord's work. But overall, we can probably post a podcast already there on that weird bullet note there. Um, here's the previous 167 episodes, yes. Or if you want to catch the next 32 episodes on the road to 200, you can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, or Amazon, and of course, right here on our sponsor for today, Anchor. Until next time, I love you, and you absolutely love me. Let's love each other, man. Goodbye.